face to face is looking right back at me It's easier to leave it all It's easier to fake it Welcome to 5 Simple Questions. It's my podcast. It's designed to let people hear what we may already know, or that sometimes what we need to be reminded of is that connecting with one another is really what it's about. All right, guys. Good morning again from season two. I'm so excited. Um, This has been an incredible installment journey, and I have to say that I'm sitting down with kind of what everyone knows, especially in this city, as a celebrity, and and by the way, I want everybody to know that there was no reason that she said yes, but when I wrote this email asking Michelle Stone, drum roll, um, to sit down and do five simple questions, it felt so amazing when I got your response back, and for the record, I was in Disney World, and dreams do come true in Disney World, so I just, Michelle, thank you. It meant the world. I would never have said no. This is a treat for me, and I'm honored that you asked me to do this. Well, thank thank you, thank you, thank you, Um, and as I told you before we started recording, when Wynn said, you ought to reach Michelle Stone, I thought, oh, Lord, Wynn, why are you my friend that has always got to set the bar just out of reach, but that actually is why we're friends, because she does challenge and, like, tells me, just go a little farther, and and for that reason, well, big thank you to you. I have the opportunity to ask you five simple questions. And your reach you. and your thought processes mm-hmm. and your soul is so touchable for so many people because you're a writer. And yeah. I know as people read what you write, they do feel like they get to be so close to you in your storytelling. Mm-hmm. And that has got to be an incredible um, an incredible outlet for you, I would imagine, because to me, Five Simple Questions is based on trying to get people to find that touchability or those outlets, yes. and I just, this well, must be a common language for us. I think it is, and when you asked me and you explained why you do what you do, it just struck a chord with me, because in ways, I feel like it's exactly why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm very happy to do this. I could sit and talk with you all day. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh, it's this mutual. Is great. Yeah, I know. Oh, this is fun. I wish that I were more quiet, but I'm not because I just can't <laughs> handle the fact that I do want to talk to you all day. Yeah, no, no, it's good. Um, all right. Well, thank you, thank you, and here we go. Let's get started. Okay. All right. So, author, mm-hmm. tell me something that you've read that has changed your path, or something that stuck with you. And I always say, and my listeners know this: this doesn't have to be a book. Um, it could be a bumper sticker. I read a lot of bumper stickers because ultimately I want to start a napkin company with uh, cute messages on it. Oh, I love a good napkin. I do too. I'm always on the lookout for one. Um, What y'all can't see is that I'm showing Michelle a book that I keep with me. It's a journal called My Ideas, and a dear friend, Manning, gave it to me. And inside are about 45 cocktail napkin um, ideas. I love it. I'm serious. One day we'll be on the cocktail napkin train. (laughs) I would love to partner with you on that. So tell me about the cocktail napkin that changed your life. Just kidding. Just kidding. um, It had something to do with Chardonnay. (laughs) Um, you know, so full disclosure, you told me you were going to be asking me these questions. So I gave them a little bit of thought. I didn't want to think about it too much because I didn't want to overthink it. I wanted to be spontaneous and answer you. Um, authentically, mm-hmm. organically, I guess. But when you asked that, I thought about it, and um, a couple of things came to mind, but you just asked for one. So a few years ago, I read an essay by Desmond Tutu. Oh, yeah. And it was called No Future Without Forgiveness. And it is about uh, South America, after apartheid, how there was so much um, 
fracture, just a fracture among the people there. And he said, yeah, we all have issues with one another. We have a past that is dark and horrible and um, sad. But if we don't move on without forgiveness, we will always remain with this darkness. That isn't specifically the thing I read, but in that essay, he referred to a philosophy called Ubuntu, U-B-U-N-T-U, which is a philosophy throughout parts of Africa that says, in a nutshell, my humanity is inextricably bound to your humanity, and what dehumanizes me dehumanizes you. Oh, gosh. And when I read that... It struck such a chord. Do unto others. I mean, there's same so thing. Right. Yes. Exactly. It struck a chord with me because in my fiction, that is he, it, that philosophy of Ubuntu um, sort of encapsulated what I want to do with my fiction. I want in my writing to show that um, I want to tap into the human condition and show that how we as people across this planet may seem very different at first. As human beings, we're much more alike than we are different. Mm-hmm. And so when I read his explanation of that philosophy, I thought, that's what, I, that's, yes, I believe mm-hmm. that too. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so in my writing, I want to show that I, I've always thought that I want to illuminate the, the ways that good people on this planet get slammed to the ground mm-hmm. and have to figure out how to pick themselves up and take another step. Mm-hmm. So that essay, No Future Without Forgiveness, sort of, I don't know that it necessarily changed the path I was on, but it sort of solidified my thoughts mm-hmm. on the path that I was on. It clarified the way I thought about things, I guess. Right. It shone light on a path that you were on in a way that you just hadn't seen that shade of light on it before, it right. sounds. Yeah, that's a, yes. Right. right. Um, I use that... that um, imagery of light because uh, with friends we talk a lot about having those moments where mm-hmm. light is shown mm-hmm. and you're like oh gosh you know you're walking the path you can see it right but sometimes a little extra light be it from the flashlight or the sun mm-hmm. or the post light or whatever it mm-hmm. is can change your perception of the path totally. and so totally. that did that for you absolutely how did you find the essay because I mean like you say essay and I'm going I'm going to be honest uh how do I come across essays and am I missing out on the essay no, bookshop no. <laughs> In the bookshop, there is uh, there is a book put out every year, Best American Essay, so you Ooh, can find okay. it. But that's not where I got it. All right, jot that down. No. <laughs> I was actually required to read it for a fellowship I had. Okay. Um, I was a Liberty Fellow through the Aspen Institute. Which you is are a- so famous. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> I know Liberty Fellows, and you're one of them. Yes. So I um, and one thing, there's so many great things about that program. Um, if you are under the age of uh, what is the age? I think it's 40. Uh, maybe it's 45. I need to check. Um. Yeah, I think it's 45. I don't know how you made the cut at 28. Well, yeah, yeah, right. I, I, made the, I was the oldest, one second oldest in my class. I'm bare mad the skin of my teeth. But through that program, I was um, exposed to so many things I'd not read before from around the world, and that essay was one of them. And it was powerful. Among everyone in my class, I think, I think there were 20 of us in my class, um, we had such great discussion about that piece. Mm-hmm. Um, just the idea that all of our humanity is inextricably bound is such a beautiful concept to me, and I believe it wholeheartedly. All right, so with that connectivity of humanity, mm-hmm. and am I hearing the, some of the, the register markers that I know mean so much to all of us, uh, empathy, mm-hmm. forgiveness, yes. lack of judgment, mm-hmm. love, not fear, mm-hmm. is all wrapped in... Absolutely. Okay, yes. yes. And empathy, I mean, I've told you this before, empathy is my... That's my word. I, I find I give workshops about that. I end up, the word empathy has come out of my mouth thousands of times since I've been a novelist and I'm speaking because it's so important to me. It's just, um, I, I could talk about that for a long, long time. But 
You know, it, it is interesting because mm-hmm. I love that word as well. Yeah. And I think that now, um, it, as a parent, mm-hmm. I try to figure out, my, my kids aren't ready to hear, hey, practice empathy. Like that's sure. a concept that's not probably going to, you know, sit in the back seat with them on the right. way to school. And so I'm constantly trying to um, use examples or rephrase things in ways that they may understand empathy. Because mm-hmm. I do think that if you um, are going to make a run of this life, that that is that's a piece that you're going to really, really need to focus on. Absolutely. And it is one of the most rewarding um, things that you can practice. Mm-hmm. And to, to me, when I practice empathy uh, behind my intention, mm-hmm. oh, God, I mean, the sky's the limit. It's true. <laughs> you know, one way with little children, and I'm with you on that. My children are a little older now, but um, when they were little and they would call somebody in their class weird, mm-hmm. that's a perfect opportunity, a teaching moment about empathy. Well, why do you think they're weird? Mm-hmm. Well, because, and then they'll answer the question. And I have said to all three of my children so many times, they roll their eyes, weirdos are some of my favorite people on this planet. Um, so if they say someone is weird, then investigate that a little bit. Let's talk about why are they weird, okay? Well, um, and it helps them start seeing the world through someone else's eyes, uh-huh. you know, because we all see the world through the lens, through our own lens. Right. And it's normal that our lens is shaped by our faith and our experiences and our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to see it through someone else's lens, mm-hmm. but it is with practice, it becomes easier and easier. And so rewarding that mm-hmm. now when I have, especially for people that I love and you know, closest friends and family, mm-hmm. if I have the opportunity to spend time with them and like, if they'll, in this, I'm talking about like 30 minutes. Yeah. If I can just be with you for 30 minutes to like be in your eyes mm-hmm. or see through your lens, yeah. I'm like, thank you for the gift today. Yes. It is such an opportunity because they're, you know, with the way life is, there's not all these opportunities where people are able to grab 30 minutes to let, yeah. let their, you know, soul bear. Mm-hmm. And in the ways where you just, it doesn't have to be anything complicated or mm-hmm. super happy or super sad. It's just like where you're able to see inside mm-hmm. of them. I, I think that that is, that's the adventuresome gift with empathy, mm-hmm. but you're right. That's a, that's kind of like word to the wise. And it, it is interesting that you say the word weird on the way to school this morning, Jennings said to me, um, there is something weird about me. I want to tell you what's weird about me. And I said, well, that's an interesting way to say that. I was like, I like the word weird too. Mm-hmm. I said, a lot of times what's weird about you is what I love the most. And, and you so, can I said, roll, girl. Yes. And, and she did. the word, word authentic in there. Oh, yeah. Something authentic about me. Yeah. Genuine authenticity. Yeah. I like that. I know. Embrace the weirdness. I know. <laughs> and it's so true. I do like that mm-hmm. you um, remind us and make that feel um, possible with young children mm-hmm. and even older children. Mm-hmm. And heck, let's be honest, some adults need it too. Absolutely. <laughs> Listen, the person who's going to be the um, world-class artist or gymnast mm-hmm. or writer or pro football player, fill in the blank, they're going to be a little bit different than the average Joe because they are devoting their efforts, concentrated, to something very differently than most of their peers. So they're going to seem different. Right. And they need to embrace that because it's a gift. Oh, yeah. You know what I've started telling people that I love? As opposed to like, I just love you for being you. I'm like... You're not a regular human. You're not a normal human. Mm-hmm. You are a special human. I and love like that. that's another way of saying like your your focus or your path or your journey is totally different than the masses and that is why you're not a normal human. So good luck trying to be normal because you're never gonna be normal. <laughs> All right, These people well, are amazing. Thank you. Um, okay, so what a great answer to that. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna be uh, brushing up on my essay reading. Oh gosh. Because as I've mentioned in many interviews, I'm a ferocious reader. Yeah. Um <laughs> What do you believe in without hesitation? Mm. It's a tough one for me. Several things. Um, but one thing that comes to mind right off the bat 
has to do with what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. And I believe if a person, there's enough time in our lives, if we live to be 80, 90 or more, um, there's enough time in this world, in our lives, if we devote the bulk of our energies to something that we can make it happen. I believe that. Michelle, I totally believe that too. Mm-hmm. You, you are blowing my mind. I, can, I, I know that we are friends, yeah. but this is incredible because that is what I'm saying. Please say that again in the way that you just said it. Oh gosh, it. I don't know if I can say it. Okay. I think that with the amount of time we have on this planet, if we choose something that we absolutely want to do, some passion, we will be able to accomplish it. We can make it happen if we are committed to it and we devote the bulk of our energies to that thing. That. I, I firmly believe that. Hands down, oh, without hesitation, you Good. believe in the power of devoted energy. I do, 100%. Oh, I, um, I think that is one of the biggest guarantees for personal happiness. Mm -hmm. If you can find within yourself to believe that, Mm -hmm. then every day is an opportunity to get that accomplished. And you'll have setbacks. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Welcome to question three. Yeah. And and this (laughs) died. Yes. Right. Um, but it goes back to devoting the bulk of your energies to something. Just use those setbacks as inspiration. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about earlier before you turned on the microphone. Um, don't take a no as a no. Take a no as, okay, so we just shifted direction a little bit, yeah. but we're, the momentum is still going. Yep. Just changing a little bit of the course. Right. Might, might jump on the airplane. Right. Get out of the car. Just try right. a different way. Go a mode. different way. Yeah. Go a different mm-hmm. way. Yep. Oh my gosh. That'd be such a cute, like, little picture scene. Yeah. Like, picture <laughs> scene of, like, ways to get to point from point A to point B. Not always a straight line. It's not always a straight line. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Oh my gosh. All right. So, speaking of straight lines and speed bumps <laughs> and setbacks... Not straight lines. Yeah. What's, what's your favorite setback in this life? Well, setbacks <laughs> become favorites only with time and distance. Because <laughs> when you are in the middle of them, it's not so... The, the word favorite can't be attached. You are so um, right. And everyone says this. Uh, one particular person was very strong when they let me know how much they dislike this question. Because they don't like any of their setbacks. Mm. And it's only until you get on the yes. other side of them that you see... So, but I know mine with, this was, this is an easy question for me. You're kidding. No. I'm, oh, no. Okay, great. I've had many of setback. It's not like, but there's one. All my rejection slips when I was a new, when I was trying to be a published writer. Mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to write. It was my passion. So it didn't matter. You knew that you wanted to write like, I want to, I want to know when, you, and I'm, I'm not always, sure if people know this about you. you I just know, don't. I've always loved stories. I, I mean, it's So a when child. you were a child, you wanted to write. Yes, but I didn't know that I could do it for a profession. It was right. just fun. It was yeah. my passion. I loved yeah. words. I loved putting words on the, in the order that only I could put them and make stories. I love that. Okay, gotcha. Um, but, so all these rejection letters would come in, and I wasn't going to let it... Yeah, it's, it's a bummer when you get the rejection letter, particularly mm-hmm. when, it's not, when, they, when it's a form letter. Dear writer, <laughs> thank you for submitting to us, but at this time, your work does not meet our editorial needs. Sincerely... The editor. I mean, it's just pathetic. It's just this, like, thing. That, so, Can't you see the department in the oh, long yeah. hallway? Form letter department. It is. And they, <laughs> open, they open your self-addressed stamp envelope. They take it. They move it over to this pile. They shove it, their little blot form letter in there, and then mail it back to you. So I was keeping these in a big manila envelope, and I was making lemonade out of those lemons, and I was going to powder 
my powder room, I was going to wallpaper the walls with projection letters once I became a published author. Right, that right. was my goal. Yeah, yeah. So I had to get enough of them yeah. so that I could do all the walls. Okay, I like that plan. Well, one day... Beautification um, out of disappointment. The children were little. I'd been going to writers' workshops. I went to this one writer's How old were the kids? Like, give me... Paint my, paint my so, picture in time. So at this time where the story I'm about to tell you, I uh, would say... My son Will was not born yet, but it was soon, and he's 13. So, so my oldest is now 20, my middle one is almost 16, and Will is 13. So the girls were little. Okay. And I'd been sending these, sending my stuff out, getting the rejection letters. I was going to these writers' workshops. I had a bachelor's degree in English, a master's degree in secondary ed teaching English, and I would go to these writers' workshops. And my instructors, I would sit down with them, and they would always say to me, "You are such a good." writer. You are such a good writer. These people, it wasn't my mom. It wasn't my husband. It was somebody who didn't know me telling me that. And so I wanted to believe it. But then I kept getting these rejection letters and it was maddening. And I remember one day just breaking down crying to my husband in the kitchen, just sobbing to Elliot saying, why do people keep telling me I'm good and nobody wants to publish my work? Right. Because that's the ultimate, in your mind at that point, that's the ultimate qualifier. So yeah. I, um, soon after that, um, and this story will take me a couple minutes to tell, but I, um, I got nothing but time. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. So soon after that, I had written a story and I said, I'm going to send it to the Southern Review, which at the time, and still, if you get a story published in the Southern Review, you really are the real deal, both among academics, among fiction writers. It's a creme de la creme. It's it, among other places. I love knowing this because within different industries and professional paths, I love like knowing what the benchmarks yeah. are. I didn't know about those. Well, I mean, and there are others, but to me. Hey, for the writers out there, you find that benchmark, yeah. sit on it. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, I want to, I would love to have something published there. But even as I am putting the story in the envelope to mail, I know it's going to come back a form rejection. I know it is. I have hundred, I have so many of them. Mm-hmm. So this is where I sort of had a mental breakdown. Not really, but... <laughs> You could argue that I did. Yeah. I wrote, my cover letter was so snarky and awful. <laughs> and the editor of the Southern Review was a man named Brett Lott. And so I wrote my cover letter, Dear Mr. Wait. Lott, if this is even you reading this and not some flunky grad student who's going to blah, 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 blah. And I said, if my stories... you. No, it's, it's a little bit of a jackass. So I said, if um, this story stinks, just come right out and tell me. It stinks. And anyway, on and on and on, I went like a nut job, yeah. and I mailed it off. Face the fear, walk to the fire. Like, and then give it to after me. the postman came, I thought, oh my gosh, what have I done? What have I done? Why did I mail that nutso letter to this editor at this very fine review? Two weeks later, mail comes, letter from the Southern Review, and it is not a form letter. Dear Mrs. Stone, wow. <laughs> that was some letter. Oh my God, and, you found a human. Yeah, it is a human, all right. And he... Um, He did not publish my story. He didn't take it. He said, I gave it serious thought. Here's why I'm not publishing it. But then what he went on to say after was a game changer for me in my whole life. And he said, "Um, you need to know that there is not some secret handshake that published authors have that we're not telling you about. He said, the only thing that ever worked for me and ever every author I ever knew was putting the words on the page in the order that only I could put them. He said, you are a writer. Now just don't give up and keep writing and do not give up. And it was so powerful. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, he doesn't know me. I asked him, he gave me the advice. I framed that letter, I put it on my writing wall mm-hmm. and I did not give up. Right. And That mother- was a major sign. You know that, like I believe that the universe delivers signs. Oh. If you let your eyes and your heart oh. see them. I know that it does. Like that is my religion. Mine yes. too. Yes. 
Gosh. You just have to be open to them. Yeah. And the more open you make yourself, the more the they're more coming they at come, you. Oh my God. Yeah. It's amazing. Yes. So years later, okay. I published a novel. I published a second novel. I sold the film rights and a TV show was being developed of my novels. I get asked to be- Get a- out! I did not know this. Yeah. I, y'all cannot see the chills on my body. Lord have mercy. Well, I really, can I have your autograph? Stop it. I'm not kidding. I don't know anyone famous. Uh, and now I like, still don't. I'm still legitimately don't. in an office setting. I'm in this little spot oh, in this goodness. beautiful city that we live in. And you are that person. No, I'm not that person. God, and it may not come I mean, to fruition. I'm telling you. But I did brush my teeth and put on shoes this morning. I got clothes. Like <laughs> this, things were working out to begin with. Now I'm like out of the world. No, but the point of my telling you that. Okay, so is years later. That, years later. I, um, so Converse College used my first novel as its freshman read book a few years ago. And so the incoming freshmen were, were required to read it. So when those young women were then seniors a few years later and they met with President Betsy Fleming to choose their commencement speaker, they chose me. So they wanted to start their college experience with my book and end it with my being a commencement Absolutely. speaker, which was an incredible, um, I was floored. And so, you were in their touchable journey. So like that's a really impactful place. And I felt that. And yes. I was so deeply touched and moved by it. So, totally. So when I sat down to try to write a commencement speech, like, holy moly. And then I realized, you know what? They're not even going to remember what I say anyway. They're just getting there to publish. <laughs> but still, you want it to be good. That and after you, party's good. Yes. So <laughs> it, when I was sitting down to write it, it was soon after I'd sold the option rights to both books. And I sat down at my kitchen counter again, the place where I had been sobbing to my husband. You know, And I thought, whoa, take a minute to reflect and appreciate this. You are writing a commencement speech, Michelle. Would you have ever imagined that? And so I said, you know what? I need to write a letter to Brett Lott. And te- the man, the yes. editor, oh, and I, tell him. He's a character in my heart now. I got yes, this. Because I never, I never acknowledged that letter he sent to oh, me. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, so I had that letter from him. You didn't see him at the cocktail party for another book? No. <laughs> and if I did, I'd probably go hide in the background right. until he left. Um, but he, his telling me, you are a writer and do not give up was more powerful to me than he could have ever known, and I never told him that. Oh, gosh. So, so that... Which is another philosophy that I really believe in. If you if you got to tell somebody something, you got to tell them, love them, and you got to get it out. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And so at Even that Even the moment, random stuff, you kind of got to tell those you people. You do. Yeah. You do. And so at that okay. moment, when I, when I was sitting there sort of reflecting and feeling great gratitude for everything, he was a part of my gratitude because he... But he didn't up, know. But he didn't know. Right. So I Googled him, and I found his email address. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and I said, you may not remember me, God. I hope you don't remember me. I hope you wrote it like that. I said, <laughs> oh, I did. I did. I did. Yeah. And I um, told him, I said, I feel like you need to know this. I said, you have no idea how powerful your letter was to me all those years ago, but I have saved it. And here's a screenshot of it. I took a picture and sent it. And, <laughs> Prove it. Yeah. And here I am. I've written two books and I published them both. And I can't even believe, uh, I'm so grateful for where I am. And you are a part of that. And I want you to know. And I hit send. And then I started working on the commencement speech. Ding. He emailed me back. Get out. And he said, and his response at the time broke me down. I sobbed. He said, you have no idea how I needed to get that letter from you right now. And he said, I am sitting here in a hotel room in California about to go on to give a big talk to people. And I was full of self-doubt sitting here saying, why do I even do what I do? Do I, do, do I even make a difference? It makes me right. choke up now. P.S. Uh, we're, bo- we're both cloudy-eyed. And, and to, it was ironic that his letter to me had been a point where I needed to hear that. And when I'm sending him a letter thanking him, he's saying, wow, I needed to hear that. 
So that changed the whole trajectory of my speech for Converse, and that is the story I told. And I said, may I talk about this in my commencement address? And he said, absolutely. So I t- that was my commencement address to Converse, is just to persevere, and you never know who out there needs your encouragement, and you never know the encouragement that you give to someone, mm-hmm. the ripples that it could have forever in so many ways. Oh my gosh, you're so right. And of course, I totally believe in this. Mm-hmm. But you know, back to the beginning of our interview, this is... The connectivity of the human experience. Absolutely. In example. It is. In question three, that is 100% what um, Desmond Tutu was writing about, is the connectivity of the fact that we're all, we're we're different paths, different people, different stories, experiences, but there's, you can get right to the source if you just do, do the source. And it is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He took the time to send me that letter, mm-hmm. and because of that, it's sort of like karma. Honestly, goodness came back to him at a time he needed it. Michelle, how do you stay so beautiful, even when you like have your eyes cl- cloud up? Like I look like a disaster. Why do you my nose and tears? You get cheek. prettier. Oh, no, P.S. This is an interview with like you just sound, but Michelle's like a walking supermodel. Oh, okay, so mm-hmm. you got to send me a copy of the commencement speech. I will. I, will. I am a big like. I just love, I, I, I do like reading, but I like reading things that talk about these concepts. So yeah. if you wouldn't mind sharing it. Of course it, not. I will be um, happy to do that. Guys, if she says it's okay, I can put some snips on uh, Five Simple Questions uh, social media feed if anybody's interested too. And but actually, I'm telling you. I have it. So I will send it to you. And also on my website, which is just michellestone.com, there is an audio of the commencement speech. Oh, I'll put a link um, that's reachable for okay, anybody right, who wants to hear it. That's it. great. So can I ask a question? Sure. It, his email dings back. Y'all have this um, synchronistic moment mm-hmm. together that you know went on to create impressions for you know the future. If you want to think about when you speak to someone at a commencement speech, right. did y'all do y'all keep up from time to time or is a it, little bit? Did you ever end up at that cocktail party at the Southern Writers? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> um, but we have. Um, so ironically. He is a professor at the College of Charleston now, oh, and okay. my brother-in-law is in the, the best city in the world. Yes, yes, <laughs> and my brother-in-law uh, is on the English faculty at the College of Charleston too, so they're friends. Get and, um, and at the time, um, my nephew has now graduated from the College of Charleston, but he was taking a class with Brett Lott. So it is so funny how the world um, have is you, connected. Have y'all gotten to meet in person then? And- I've met him in person one time. Yeah, real briefly somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Um, no, we don't really keep up, but I feel like we know each other now. Like, yeah. I can send him an email right now and, um, anyway. And yes. connect on that experience. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Um, this, again, is very much something that I believe in, which is the, the power of thank you. Yes. I, I have to have those two words kind of, like, always traveling in my life. And that's the practice of gratitude. Yes. And gosh knows, mm-hmm. it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out that that feels so good. But it's really become very important to me uh, as a person who openly sees that my personal happiness or successes or what I deem as successes have come alongside of these people who are mm-hmm. traveling the travel Absolutely. with me. And it's like, I just want to grab their shoulders and say... Thank you. You know, yes. as many times as it let yes. me without them thinking I'm a complete nut. Um, and P.S. Right. that circle does think I'm crazy. Yep. That's totally okay. fine. I love you too. Yeah. I'm going to go thank you on it. <laughs> Just big thank you. But yes. um, that's a wonderful setback story. And um, kind of makes you just want to go out and just keep on, just start or yeah. keep going or, yeah. you know, yeah. go just, to work. That's right. It's just, Dig in and make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we have been talking about a person within your setback story, but name a person that's impacted your life 
and you know the drill for season two maybe you don't not um mother father uncle okay. sister um, which i love those people sure, and everybody no, no, knows no, but, those but people. i would love to know somebody that's impacted your life that is not a well relative. as you were just talking about there are so many oh yeah, oh, um, yeah. and i have come to believe and i firmly believe this that writers are some of the most giving helpful people on the planet to other writers if they see that you are in earnest in your efforts. Okay. So what I mean by that is um, so many writers along the way, I do have a specific person I'll tell you about, but so many along the way who have seen in me something that told them that I'm, whether or not I was a good writer, I was serious about trying to, to do it and to be better at it. Mm-hmm. And they've taken me under their wing, like been willing to read things for me to offer feedback. And so in turn, I try very hard to be that same person. When people contact me who are just starting to be writers, I always want to be giving of my time and um, what expertise I may have, whatever or, you know, whatever that's worth, to people who I see coming along. All that to say, um, there's one person who comes to mind, and that is C. Michael Curtis. Okay. Mr. Curtis was the fiction editor of the Atlantic Monthly magazine for over 50 years whoa and that's a chunk of time the longest editor in america yeah and he um would publish did publish some of the finest writers in america and he was one of the first to ever publish them such as joyce carol oates and tobias wolf he was the first to publish them i believe i may have that wrong but i'm pretty sure i'm right about that right so so making impactful choices that have changed the, the american letters yes right so he about I don't know how long it's been now, but maybe 10 years ago, he and his wife, Betsy Cox, moved to Spartanburg to jointly chair a position in the English department at Walford. No way. They, they've since both retired. But among fiction writers, he, he was an icon. And when I heard that he was moving to Spartanburg, I thought, holy smokes, I cannot wait to meet this man. Right. So um, his wife was giving a reading, because she's a renowned poet and novelist, and I went to her hear her read specifically to find him and introduce myself. Sure. And I went up to him and I introduced myself and I said, I know you're, he's teaching uh, fiction writing at Walford. And I said, I already have my degree, but may I audit your class? I'm going to learn from you. Right. And he said, fine by me, just see if it's okay with Walford. So I did. How cool. I didn't even know that was a thing. Well, I didn't either until I asked. Okay. So how do you do that, by the way, for so, anybody who's like wanting to you know, enjoy a class but not get an ABC I might have had to pay like a small little fee and you don't get a grade and you yeah. don't get a transcript. But he did grade my work. So it was like greatest gift because I had one of the best editors in America now reading my fiction for me and telling me what was wrong with it. Wow. It was the best. This is cool. And we, I love the process. Yes. I like. So we struck up a friendship. And when that class, and I was in there with these young undergrads. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when that class was over, he approached me and he said, you know, when I lived in Boston, I used to run like these six weeks um, writing workshops out of my home with serious adult writers. Could you help me find enough people in Spartanburg to do that? And I said, you bet. So I I beat the bushes and I came up with about five or six folks and we met in his living room once a week for six weeks. We'd drink coffee, eat chocolate chip cookies and critique each other's writing. And then he would tell us what was working and what wasn't working. And mostly he busted our chops and told us why it wasn't working, what we were doing. And you had to have thick skin. And I'll admit, some people didn't. Right, right. And it was tough. I yeah, mean, yeah. And tough for me too. Sure. But again, it was my passion. And Constructive I, criticism. I want you to tell me what's wrong with my stuff because that's the only way I'm going to make it better. That's right. So I kept going, I kept going. And then eventually I wrote my novel manuscript, The Iguana Tree, and Hub City Press published it. But they had, he was, 
he he was my editor during the writing of that book. So okay. he helped me make that book what it is. And he would tell me what was wrong with Remarkable. it and what was working. And he is a master at that. He could read a chapter and without any extra thinking, read it right now and tell you what you need to do is, and brilliantly, with just a few tweaks, make something that's fine, strong, Finest. really right. Yes. And so I had the great honor of working with him for, through that through the whole process of writing my first book. Right. Um, and I would go over to Walford and sit in his office and we'd talk about it. And it, he, um, without a doubt, is one of the finest mentors I've ever had. It, yes. was a, it was truly a gift that he ended up in Spartanburg. I'm fascinated by the sheer fact that that's how y'all ended up connecting because, you know, a lot of people have journeys of, of people or mentors that influence and they may have had to, you know, get a plane and go, you know, see somebody once a quarter and, you know, or whatever it may be that had been would have been more of a challenge. Yes, but you end up right here in Spartanburg. Right here in Spartanburg in this, you know, again, what I love to call this beautiful southern city. Yes. Like that to me is another one of those universal signs of, yep, keep going. Keep, keep going. Moving. And and show up. Just show up. Yeah. This is what I tell people so often, and it is true. There are so many people along my journey that I've encountered either in writing workshops or classes or literary festivals who are much finer writers than I am, hands down. Mm -hmm. But the difference is they didn't stick with it. Right. I mean, I can think of I can think of three people right now who I've sat in writing workshops with them, and I am blown away mm -hmm. at the beauty and the quality and the unique voice of their writing mm -hmm. but they just sort of gave up on it mm -hmm. and never got it published and it is for various reasons for various and reasons and and you know what maybe they fine you know maybe yeah, they, yeah. they didn't want to do it anymore and good then don't stick with something you don't enjoy right but i would say if it is don't give up and show up and make it happen and it eventually probably will yeah. but if you don't show up and you give up it absolutely won't happen yeah and that's the difference. I totally agree. A great friend says all the time, 75% of it is showing up. It is, without a doubt. Yeah. It's not higher than that. <laughs> it's not a higher percentage than yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh -huh. I totally, I love that. Mm -hmm. Show up, keep Show going, up. just start. These are just yes. like the self-motivators for the passion. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Um, to have that passion, you you have days where you're like, I just can't oh, get that gosh, going. Yes. Let's just be honest. It's not every day like, yay, oh, let's gosh, do it, yeah. let's do it. No, there um, are some days I can't even get my fanny in the chair to write yeah, at all. Yeah, and you're, you're like, like uh, Netflix and chill. Yes. <laughs> there, you know, there's a great, talk about our great southern city. The great southern writer, William Faulkner, had this quote. Yes. Um, he said people would often ask him about his writing. And he said, well, I only write when inspiration hits me. But fortunately, it hits me every morning at 10 a.m. <laughs> Which means put your fanny in the chair and Show make up. it happen. Yep. Show up. Yep. That's right. Yep. So, some I days have not heard that quote, but I do like that. <laughs> some days it's harder than others, for sure. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the things I like so much about my space. I know you have not been to my office prior to this interview. But no, but it's gorgeous. One, if any of you have not seen it, it one is of stunning. The, one of the, thank you. One of the best things I like is the accountability of me unlocking that door every morning. It's where oh, I show up. I love that. And it's, it's the way that I mastermind what fulfills me most. And that I is really powerful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a special thing. For a long time, I looked for space, but 
um, for the long time I've had the imagery of a key and like you just got to keep that key in your pocket because it will yeah you got to keep trying to unlock it that's great Sandra that's good stuff Um, okay awesome answer Um, is he still in Spartanburg? Yes, he, he is. He is. He's in his 80s. Oh, good. He and his wife. He's probably jamming on podcasts all yeah. the time. <laughs> so he can Shout hear about out. this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is still here. He and his You're wife so are both um, retired from Walford. Um, but they're still here. She's still writing. And actually, she and I have the same agent, which is oh. um, yeah, in New okay. York. But yeah. anyway, yeah, they're here. Yeah, we're bumping into each other in the lobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, you again. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> what is your favorite thing about you? Mm. I know, I know you're like, That's a hard I, one. I mean, I could answer a thousand things and we're just sitting in front of each other mm. right now, but I'm asking well, you, so you got to be completely honest. I will. I will. And that's a tough question. And you know, it's hard to talk about yourself like that. Like, oh, here's the thing good about me. That's it very is. uncomfortable. It is. But you're um, a beautiful, brilliant woman. I got a feeling you got, you like a few things about yourself or you wouldn't be where you are. I, Remember that by the way, everybody out there. I like my empathetic nature Ooh, perfect i can already tell that for the rest of our friendship for the rest of our lives i'm going to be going give me your best empathy story today oh i mean oh, you know yeah. i'm going to be trying to grab that glass of wine with you saying yes. that and wanting you to tell me well and you know the reason i answer that is because like you just said empathy story as a writer that's what i do right yeah. like i i that's my job to see things through somebody else's lens mm-hmm. not not me 49 year old white woman from South Carolina mm-hmm. I know that lens yeah 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 I want to see the world through your lens and through his lens and her lens and an older person's lens and somebody who has more money than me or less money than me or a different faith than me or a different skin color than I do um, that's, hello this is why I'm so interested in the answers from people that I sit down with there you go so that that is um, my mission my passion really that's to see the world through someone else's perspective someone else's eyes makes you have to be able to do that or you can't be a fiction writer okay so that's the your favorite thing about you like your favorite motivation your favorite drive I, I think but I, I think honestly if I'm hearing what you're saying and I don't mean to interrupt no, you go. But I, I have a natural <laughs> tendency to do that um is that you are empathetic like you have empathy beyond measure and so that is your favorite thing about you empathy is my superpower that's right girl I mean I'm telling uh, Alongside of the cocktail napkin company mm-hmm. is the t-shirt company. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so <laughs> empathy is my superpower. So I would never have said it's, that. It's, it'd be like it'd be like the Superman logo with the E in yes, it. Yes. <laughs> so I would never have said that in my younger days. But I um, again was at some workshop where they we each had to come up with our superpower. Okay. And they made us think, and, and so I said, well, I think mine's empathy. Mm-hmm. And one time, okay. So full disclosure, years ago um, when Elliot and I were our children were little. I was talking to a counselor about parenting, struggles I was having with parenting. And as we talked, he looked at me and he said, you have an incredible empathy gene. And I kind of, young mom, kind of <laughs> nervously yeah. laughed, yeah, blew yeah. it up. Yeah. And he looked at me in the eye and he said, I am serious. You have a very strong empathy gene. I've never told anybody that. I'm okay. just telling you that yeah. now. And, and he it made me think about it yeah. and and I don't know where that comes from maybe it's from my parents always having different sorts of friends other than just what we all looked like right. um, I don't know certainly um, a contributing factor but other influences through um, yeah. your life probably has have grown that superpower 
Now, I certainly think I could exercise it some more. I'm not always empathetic. People make me angry. I get frustrated at people. But Mm -hmm. empathy and sympathy are not the same thing. They are not. And you can completely disagree with someone. Mm -hmm. You can even think they're a jerk. Yes. But you can have empathy with them, meaning you understand why you see how they see it. You, you, which I think is is that common denominator. That's the humanitarian right. connectivity. Yes, it's saying I may not agree with you, but I see where you're coming from. Yes, and I wish our politicians oh, of late yes. had. And we're not going to get into that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but I wish. Um, it seems like politically things are so polarized now that there is an incapability. Is that a word? People are incapable mm-hmm. of stopping to at least say. Um, diplomatically, okay, I don't agree with you, mm-hmm. but I do see why you're saying that. I do see where you're coming from. I do see your motivations of why you mm-hmm. want to do this. Um, here are my motivations. Let's see how we can somehow come to agreement on this. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll tell you, one of the main factors is that um, that one is a lot more challenging than using another method, which is fear. Mm. And fear is a lot more accessible to the unenlightened mind. Absolutely. You just said a mouthful. Yeah, you can get straight to what you want if you use fear. Mm -hmm. But if you try to use empathy or where empathy comes from, which is love, Mm -hmm. you have to work a whole lot harder. But guess what? All good things come to those who work hard. Absolutely. So stay the course. And I agree. Mm -hmm. I think that... um, I think that you are remarkable in that way, and, and obviously writing is a way that people can see that within you, but I mean, I am blown away just having these conversations with you here this morning, knowing that that, that empathetic superpower is really <laughs> driven probably so many of your creative thought, your decision-making, and your pathway. I suppose so. Yeah. I mean, that's my favorite thing about you, too. Aww. How did that work out? <laughs> well, good. Thank you. I, I um... You know, I want to be empathetic. I strive to be empathetic. I'm striving to raise empathetic children. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to me. My friend Manning and I talk about this all the time. Um, she and I always say, like, you know, because we're raising kids, mm-hmm. we always talk about more about the ways to get the empathy across. And mm-hmm. um, since our friendship has grown, she is such a, a good reminder of how mm-hmm. important that is. And that's mm-hmm. one of my biggest responsibilities as a parent. I agree. Um, you know. These little tiny humans are going to be big humans one day, and they, they're going to have to need to be knowing about that. Yes. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, I love that about you, too. Well, thank you. All right. So you've made it through the five core questions. And I'm nervous about the next one. Well, well, I don't know what this is going to what be. What do you think I'm going to ask you about? You have no idea, do you? I have no idea, but I do know that you are a gifted interviewer, and so it's going to be a zinger for sure. <laughs> um, but I will give it my best shot. Well, you know, the, the, the whole, let me give you a little background about the zinger question. It okay. came from the love of music that I have. And a lot of friends that know me know I am, it's almost insatiable how much I have to be connected with music. And, Interesting. Oh, yeah. Like, I, in all different genres, I am, um, from a very early age, very um, in love with poetry. So I read a lot of poetry. So lyrics oh, to me are kind of like my modern access to poetry. And, I get it. Um, but, you know, grew up on all the classics in terms of uh, poets and, and poems themselves. But so music just kind of ties right back into it. I understand that. It makes sense. Yes, yes. So I, I started going, oh, well, I'll just ask everybody their, um, their favorite song. And then that way I'll just keep my playlist current oh. and making sure that I've got all my things. But um, I, after I asked that one time to one of my uh, friends that sat down with me, I was like, oh, I better keep my zinger a little bit more unusual. And so it, it really is. It's like, 
it's unusual mm-hmm. uh, or just different. So I can't use the music question. Okay. Although I'm sure you got a great favorite song and well, you're more than welcome to share it with me. Racing right. What song would it have been? So no, move on. I'm yeah. Gonna... <laughs> okay, good. Um, all right. So I know that you spend a lot of time at the coast yes. of our fine state. Oh, I do. My favorite place on earth. All right. So do you know I grew up at, um, in Pauly's? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I too um, love the coast mm-hmm. and I love the mountains too. I love I the fact that South Carolina is one of those states. I love and, South Carolina. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. It's, um, it's a pretty lucky place. Anyway. What's a place that you go to? And, like, if you can get specific, that'd be great. Like, you know, your porch, I understand. Mm-hmm. But, like, is there a place that you go to? And usually this place is maybe some place that you can put your mind when you need to, like, kind of – or mm-hmm. I have to find, like, pictures in my mind that when I need to zone out a yeah. little bit. What is a place that you go to? It doesn't have to be at the coast. I just know that you spend time there. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, what's a place that you go to in your mind – when I told you, I can't remember if we were on air or not, that I um, am an advanced daydreamer. Yes. I've always been able to kind of change my brain and go to these yes. places. What's the one place that your mind will take you, you without a doubt? The end of my dog. Got it. The I smell, can see you there. The I, smell of the salt water. You're going to think I'm crazy, but like I imagine I can see you right there. Mm-hmm. And I've never mm-hmm. been to your house or yeah. where you spend time or what the special spot is, but it's like I can see you there and yeah. I can see the marsh. Yeah, and smell the pluff mud. And and see, smell I know the, the smells. Yeah, 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 yeah. To me, that is home. I mean, I am a 10th generation. I mean, my parts of my family go back to the 1600s right there in the low country. Okay. And so it is in my. Soul. Yeah. yeah. That salt water, um, something about it is very calming and yeah. nurturing and peaceful to yep. me. And um, truly, I mean, I can have a headache. This sounds crazy. And I walk to the end of my dock, sit out there with my dog, and just breathe. And within 10 minutes, the headache's gone. I have chills time. up the back of my neck. I, you describing smells, I love smells. Mm-hmm. I, like, I have, and most people do, if yeah. you smell a certain smell, it'll take you back right. to that memory. Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, I know exactly the smell you're talking mm-hmm. about. And that's amazing that it can even alleviate, like, a physical feeling. Uh, you know, when I, I went to Clemson, undergrad, and when I, my friends and I from Charleston, we'd ride home, carpool together. I mean, as soon as we got near the bridge and the salt water, we would all roll the windows down. It wouldn't matter what time of year and just breathe in that smell. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure people from not around there might find that smell unpleasant. But to us, that was home. It is just home and everything that home evokes. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. So at the end of your dock is where you can take yourself, whether you're physically there, you can walk there and mm-hmm. be there, or whether you are sitting in a waiting room and you need to yeah. take yourself there. That's where you take yourself? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And just the, Do you have multiple places or is that your main spot? Looking out over the salt water in general is sometimes it's sitting on the beach at, at a, in my mind. Mm-hmm. I'll just sit on the so the creeks and the river, that's my favorite part about the low country. Mm-hmm. I love the ocean too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so sometimes I'll imagine like sitting um, on the beach just at sunrise and nobody else is there and just yeah. listening to the waves. Is it a particular point on a particular beach? Yeah, yeah. I had a stow. That's so interesting. Growing up on the coast, um, I always had more association with that that kind of happy feeling mm-hmm. with the creek and the rivers. And yeah. everybody's like, but you go to the beach, and you know, you're always want yeah. to look at the ocean. And I, I have this one spot on the north end of Polly's that I can go to in my mind mm-hmm. that will do the same thing. Um, and it always has for many, many years. But it's really when I think about being on the river and within the mm-hmm. creek systems that I can get to that. Yeah. 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 And gosh knows if Neb, if y'all don't have a place like that in your mind, go ahead and start shopping for one of those because it does help. It does. And even the smells are certainly evocative, but the sounds 
too. If you are out there by yourself, you're gonna hear the breeze. You're gonna hear, if it's breeze, you're gonna hear the marsh rustling. And if the tide's going down low, oysters pop. They make a little pop crackling mm-hmm. sound when they shoot out the salt yes. water. And all those sounds are just the sounds that I have heard consistently since birth. I mean, my parents would have me out on the end of the dock shrimping and crabbing when I was a tiny child. Yeah. And so that has been a consistent, um, happy and place that, to me. That's not easily uh, recreated on a sail machine. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Ocean waves, maybe, but that end of the dock, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, you got to be there. Got to be there. And mm-hmm. that, and, and this life is a lot of waves. Yeah. You got to be there. It's true. Yeah. It is true. Um, wherever that may be. Michelle, thank you. Thank you. This is incredible. Oh, and by the way, I know that I shouldn't time date things, but it is Friday. The sun has started to come out. I don't know if it gets any better than this, y'all. So have a great weekend. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye.